we have, we're going to celebrate communion today, so we'll have a time uh, just to wait on the Lord, to pray together. We'll be inviting folks up uh, to, that have prayer needs uh, to just kind of, sometimes when we come to the Lord's table, we just got some junk we need to straighten out before we come. And just got a time to, to purge, a time to um, just kind of prepare our hearts uh, to receive the Lord's Supper. He's inviting us. He's inviting you to his table. He's the meal. He's the host. He's everything. He's everything. And so we come to celebrate him. Make sure your cell phones are off. And if you did not bring a Bible with you, just put your hand up. And uh, guys in the back will bring a Bible to you. Bibles are going to be open today to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. We have a brief section of Scripture, again, trying to leave plenty of time for us to just... uh, just be in the presence of the Lord during communion. So we're going to minimize our, uh, our Bible study time and maximize our communion time today. Um, let's pray for the study. Father, again, as we come to your word, we just thank you for our brothers and sisters. And we recognize, Lord, we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. Uh, we thank you for the courage you've given that's an example to us um, in, in our much smaller battles, Lord. We just pray for them as Warren did. And Lord, we pray for those uh, just fighting challenges in their own families and, and um, with, with um, people that mock and, and tease and, and don't believe, Lord, and, and look, at, look down on us because of what we believe. Lord, just give us the courage to, to be uh, steadfast and immovable, uh, to be anchored in our souls in the truth of your word. Lord, I pray you just anchor us a little deeper today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 I, don't ha- I-, I like to do um, illustrations. I like to bring things that sort of give a mental picture. And so I brought a shovel today. Uh, it's not much of a shovel. It's a little shovel. But, um, and I want you to remember this word, undermine. Undermine. Have you ever had someone undermine something you were doing? You know, you're trying to build and they're trying to destroy. You're, you're trying to, to uh, create. And they're trying to tear down. And to undermine literally means to, to mine under. I mean, you don't have to be a, a word scholar to figure that out. It's to mine under. And you've all seen uh, mining. And you, know, you dig down to the earth. And it, it weakens the land underneath. If you, you don't build a mine underneath a, a, a tall apartment building. Because it weakens the ground, it weakens the foundation, and the thing can easily collapse. Is that true or not true? So I brought the shovel, and I brought the word undermine. And so here's what we're going to talk about today, just in the short time that we have. I can tell you exactly how to undermine the truth. So we're going to talk about, as a church, what it would look like to undermine the truth. Because we know Satan wants to undermine the truth, right? And you know, sometimes the sad thing is his greatest ally is the church to undermine the truth. And I think the way that, you know, we would think that uh, certainly teaching lies would be a way of undermining the truth, and certainly it is. And that's why in 1 Timothy, when we're talking about fixing the church, the first thing that Timothy had to deal with was uh, false doctrine, false teaching, things that were close to the truth, but not the truth. And so got to fix that up. But the next thing he talked about was relationships between people. And the best way to undermine the truth 
is to have uh, ungodly relationships in the church. And, and we'll look at that in 1 Timothy. I'll show you as we get into the introduction here. Uh, look down, 1 Timothy 3. We're just going to look at verses uh, 14 down to 16. So we've got a whole two verses, which I could stretch out to an hour and a half if need be. Uh, but we won't do that today. This is great. This is, I was so excited to come and talk about this today. Um, verse 14 of chapter 3 says, These things I write to you. So we have to stop there and say, well, what are these things? For those of you that maybe weren't here the last couple of weeks or you're just here for the first time today, these things are all of the things in chapter 2 and chapter 1 for that matter, but especially the things in chapter 2. So what were those things in chapter 2? Those things were relationships between people in the church. Men that were arguing with each other. I've got to write about that. I've got to tell you how to deal with that. Uh, women that were controlling and dominating and, and stepping on the men. That's not good. That, we've, got, we've got to talk about that. We've got to deal with that. Leadership that has poor character. We've got to deal with that. We've got to talk about that. So he wrote all of these things to Timothy because Timothy was in a church that was just struggling with their relationships with each other. You see, we come, we get born again And we come out of the world and into the church. And we're transferred from darkness into light. The problem is all of our habits, all of the way we are used to living and treating people, are all still connected in some ways to that darkness. And so we have to relearn everything. It's like a baby. baby, When a baby is born, you you don't just say, all right, kid, come on, get up and walk. No, they've got to learn that. They've got to learn how to speak. They have to learn how to walk. And first they have to crawl before they can walk. And so all of these things, when I was born again, when you were born again, you had to start over. Because I learned a lot of wrong stuff in the world. And so I had to learn, learn again what it meant to look like uh, to be a human being. To walk in the light. To live in truth. To, to live out truth. And so Paul says, these things I've written, all the things that we maybe have struggled with. Leadership in the church. We can't have leadership that is power hungry or greedy. Those kind of things. We can't have fights for dominance in the church. These things, I had to write to you to make sure we get this sorted out. Why, Paul? Why is this so important? I mean, come on, we're we're doing nice things for the community. uh, Isn't that enough, Paul? He says, these things I write to you. And interestingly, he says, though I hope to come to you shortly. So he took the time. He was hoping, Paul was hoping to come visit Timothy in Ephesus. But he said, you know what? I'm hoping to come to you shortly. I'm not going to be long, but I'm going to write anyway. I mean, if I was about to go visit someone, let's say I'm going up for Thanksgiving to visit my family in in Pennsylvania, uh, and I sat down the week before I left to write him a letter to say hi, I'd say, well, I'm going to see him next week. Why bother? You know, I'm, I'm going to see them, not going to bother writing, I'm not going to spend the time to write a letter now because I'm going to be there in a week. But Paul says, even though I'm going to come there shortly, I'm still going to write a letter. It's that important. It's that important that, he's, that he sat down. He doesn't have a word processor. He doesn't have, you know, all of these modern technologies. He had to put pen to paper to write this word by word. And he says, but if I am delayed, verse 15... So just in case I can't make it, just in case there's traffic on 95 and I'm, uh, I spend a lot of time waiting there, I, I want to write to you why. 
Why was it so important for Paul to write? So that you know, you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God. This is what you guys have to know. And there's a reason, and I'll just read the rest of it, because it, it's the church or the gathering of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. See, it's not the pillar and ground of excitement, not the pillar and ground of activity. Those things are all fine and well. Not the pillar and ground of, of social good, and, and it is that too. But first and foremost, what we are involved in right here is a matter of truth. That's big. That, so we take it so, we take church and, and this gathering so casually sometimes. And Paul says the truth is staked on it. And the world knowing the truth. And so many people are never going to read a Bible. But they're going to see you. And they're going to see your life. And they're going to see your family. And they're going to come into this time and time and time again. I was just talking to a family this morning before church. And I, and I can't tell you, I had this conversation over and over. When we came to Calvary Chapel, the thing that stood out most was not the teaching. Sorry, Steve. Phil, where are you? Where's Phil? Not the music. Not the music. Sorry, Phil. Was we just felt loved. We just felt loved. And you know the difference when you go to a place and you just feel the tension in the air. You know, there's, there's tension, there's bickering, there's argumentation. and all. You know the difference. You know, you go, oh, I just don't feel good, you know. So when, uh, when these things are matters of truth. So look, let's just go back and we'll kind of work this through. I'm writing to you, even if I'm delayed, I want you to know this so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God. So uh, with that word, conduct, just right next to that, behave. Behave. Or literally, to overturn. To overturn. Uh, to overturn bad behavior. So we know by, uh, by reasoning that in the church, there were people that didn't know how to behave themselves. They were, they were misbehaving in church. Isn't that terrible? We, we, we tell our kids now, you, we're in church, you behave. You know, and we think about the building. The building. So with the word behave, we also have to circle the word household or house of God because he's not speaking of the physical house. He's speaking of, this word is translated family. Family. So you have to know how to behave yourself in the family of God. Now, we are feddens. That's who we are. And, and I tell the kids as they've been growing up, you know, I know your friends might do that. And I know that other family might engage in that. And they might watch those movies and they might go to those places. But that's not who we are. We don't do that. Because this is who we are. And so I had to explain as my kids grew up, this is how we are as a family. And I know as we say the word family, that means a gazillion different things to this group. Because this is what Paul's been talking about. Family dynamics. Family dynamics. And some of you have grown up with awful family dynamics. And, though, and therefore, when you hear the word family, you have a connotation that comes from that. When you, hear, when you hear wives submit yourselves to your husband, or the lights go off. I mean, that's, and, and when you hear, you know, and the guys, you've got abuses that you have, uh, uh, that have taken place in, in, against you. And women, uh, the same thing. And these, the place where love is supposed to be shared is the family. And, and, and Satan destroys that when abuses come in and it undermines the truth. Especially when it happens 
in a Christian home because people are watching. They want to know, I hear your words about the truth, but show me what it looks like. And when you exercise, husbands, let's just talk to the husbands for a second. When you exercise your liberty, so-called so liberty, to be abusive in your family, to be uh, endangering to your children, to, to deny the affection, to deny the love that's due to your wife, to deny the, the attention to your children, you just might as well get out your shovel and dig a little hole under the truth. And wives, when you reject, when, when, you know, when, when you reject this idea that, hey, you know, God's calling us to be willing, willingly yielded to our husbands. You say, I, don't, I think I should be in charge. I think I know what's right. I mean, we, we can undermine, just take a little shovel and, and then when you create competitiveness in the home for leadership, just take that shovel and undermine the truth. And kids, when you say, you know, I don't agree with mom and dad, and, and you go to your friends and you tell them how you hate your mom and dad because they won't let you have a phone and because they took it away from you because you got punished and no, I hate my mom and dad, that's dishonoring. And the kids can take their shovel and just take that shovel and undermine the truth. It's true, isn't it? Because here's what Paul says, the church, now again, is, is the house of God. We are a family. Not, we're, I'm not a CEO a pastor. And you, you guys aren't clientele. We're all sheep. You guys are brothers and sisters and father, fathers and mothers. And, and God has given us all things that we need that pertain to life and godliness so that we can do this. Now what it takes is you looking at some things of the way you grew up maybe. Because of the way you grew up, then you, you reject the truth. I'm telling you, what you grew up in was not the truth. Your father was supposed to protect you, according to God. If he chose to disobey God himself, that's why he didn't. But fathers who follow the Lord guard their families. They protect their families. They honor their wives. They lay down their lives for their families. That's what godly fathers do. Godly mothers come alongside of their godly husbands. They encourage them. They build them up. They assist them. They do what they can to maintain the household and help with those things, even while they're holding down a job to help meet the, the needs financially of the family. And there's a teamwork between a husband and a wife. And the kids do the best they can to contribute. I, I have a saying in, in, our, in our family, you know, mutual contribution, mutual benefit. That's how a family works. Everybody contributes something, and everybody receives back something greater than what they contributed. So, you know, we don't do the work while the kids sit on the couch and play video games. We, we want them to be, you know, they're doing their schoolwork, they're doing their homework, but as they have chores, they have a, a way to contribute. And the church works best because, because, look, the people that are rowing the boat don't have time to rock it. Isn't that true? So, you know, if you're rocking the boat, just start rowing, and you won't have, be able, we won't have time to rock the boat. Just be contributing something for the building up of the family, to contribute to the benefit, because what you get by being here, because right now there's kids, there's people watching your children, so you can sit here. They're contributing something so you can benefit. The question is, what are you doing to contribute so others can benefit from your presence here? That's how a family, no, we got no room for laziness in the family. Everybody has something to do to contribute to the household of God, to the family of God. So it's the house or the family of the living God, and it's the church or the, the assembly 
We are those that have been called out from among the world to worship God together, to assemble. He's called everybody, but not everybody answers the call. Not everybody says, I want to be part of that. And the Bible, I love this. The Bible says, look, if you're here and you're alone, you're single, no kids, uh, no family, the Psalms, the psalmist write, God puts the solitary in families. And so when we share communion today, we want to welcome you and say, hey, look, we got a great family. I mean, we're not perfect. We're trying, to, we're trying to work this all out. We're trying to get rid of our own selfishness and our own stuff. We're trying to work this out, but we, we welcome you to come as you are and let God begin to, do, to join this family. And we'll commit together to obey the Lord and try to do it his way, not ours. And we want to invite you to join and to become part, or to be born into. You don't join, you know, we're not a club that you join, like a membership, you know, and, and you're looking for where your benefits are. You know, well, I join, I tithe, you know, that's my, you know, I should be able to sit here and just enjoy the club. You have to be born again into a family, or adopted in, both. So we're the assembly of the living, not the dead God, the living God. He's alive among us, and if he's alive among us, he's currently working in our lives. And we see changes, and I look around this room and I see what God is doing, what God did in my life. I had no idea what, you know, I had, a, I had a great family. I grew up in a great family, a lot of love. So I had a great head start on some of you that grew up where there was a lot of abuse. And, and, I, and, then, and then to watch you guys work through that. To go, I know this is what I, I learned to deal with anger this way from my father. I learned to deal with you know, this from my mother. And I've watched it. You guys aren't perfect yet. And I remember Joe Fos, this pastor from Calvary, Philadelphia. There was a, a couple arguing in the parking just screaming at each other in the parking lot and all the good christians came and said pastor joe there's this couple from the church and they're screaming at each other in the parking lot i mean that's sinful and he said they're screaming at each other in the parking lot praise the lord they used to beat each other i mean they're really making progress that's wonderful and so it's not a it's not an instant thing right but but this is why he's given us his word so you read his word and you go Man, I don't, I don't do that. You know, that's, I'm this, I'm that. I'm that. Wow. I, I must have learned it wrong. Man, I got some work to do. Because the church is not just the house of God. It's not just the church or the assembly of the living God. But it's the pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar and the ground. The pillar, what holds up and what stabilizes. Now, the, the truth didn't originate with us. But here's the way it works. God says, I'm going to have, just like in in the Old Testament, you had the nation of Israel. And the other surrounding nations were supposed to look at Israel, whose God was Jehovah God, the one true living God, not some statue over here that had eyes but couldn't see and ears but couldn't listen and a mouth but couldn't talk. They had the living God. And they had a relationship, were called to have a relationship with the living God. And so other nations were supposed to look at Israel and go, man, they're special. Look how wise they are. Look how blessed they are. And just like that, the, the God has given us his, his truth. He's given us his word. And what he's saying is that through us, the world should see what relationships should look like. And they should see a beautiful gospel when they see our lives. They should see, instead of seeing husbands and wives in the church that treat each other poorly... 
and then go, well, we're both gay, but we love each other at least, you know, not like those churches do. We, we see people in a church that, man, they can't get along. They're getting divorced left and right, and all these things are happening. And we may be gay, and you may say that's a sin, but boy, there's a lot of love between us. So tell us that your truth is better than ours. What do you say to that? We had, a, I know, a woman in our fellowship who was, grew up in a Jehovah's Witness family. And we say, Jehovah's Witnesses, that's a lie. They believe doctrines of demons. But she said, you know, uh, my, I was a Jehovah's Witness. My husband was Catholic. And we go to the Jehovah's Witness church, and there's a lot of love. You know, people really cared about each other. And it was beyond just the, 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 the Saturday meeting, and there, we, we made meals for each other. There's a lot of care. And then I go to the Catholic church, and I'm not picking on Catholics. This is just their, their testimony, um, and I, which I hope they don't mind me sharing. That's why I'm not saying their names. Um, but they go, and they say, you know, after church, everybody disappears. Nobody knows each other. Nobody talks to each other. Nobody seems to care about each other. If that's truth, the Catholic, the, you know, it could be any church. It could be a Baptist church, so I don't want to pick on anybody. But it could be any church that, where there's that coldest. That if that's the truth, and the Jehovah's Witnesses over here is a lie, I'd rather have a lie. If this is what church is going to be, if this is the way people are going to behave themselves in the family of God, that's not a family I want to be part of. Do you see, am I making sense? Do is, is, you see why this is so important? It's not a casual thing uh, to just say, well, I have liberty to live how I want, to do what I want. We represent, we are ambassadors for the living God. And the gospel will be most strongly preached by your family that is working through forgiveness. That is working through love. That is walking with the Lord daily. And powerfully, and, con- and admitting wrongs, and, and working through, and confessing that to each other, and, and working committed to each other and to the Lord. And when people see that, man, you guys got something special. Because everything else will fall short. Lies look good for a time, they may be beneficial for a time, but they will fall short, won't they? The pillar and the, so, so this is why I say, if the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, when we don't, and he says, this is why I wrote these things. This is why I wrote these things about husbands. This is why I wrote these things about church leadership. This is why I wrote these things about, about women. And there's great places for women to lead in the church. And we need you ladies to lead in the church. You ladies are the backbone of the church. Hard workers. We have that in the Bible too. And you men. Man, step up. Step up. Lay down your, your lives for your wives. And, and, you know, we got, being a pastor, being an elder, being a church leader, it's tough because we got two families to manage. We got our own family, which, by the way, don't ever ask me to compromise my family to minister to the church because the minute I compromise my family, then I'm disqualified for ministry. So you might find me making some choices. You might call up and say, man, I need you today. I need you to come to the house. I might say, yo, it's, it's my daughter's birthday. I can't. She needs... And, and, you know, and she was gracious yesterday. We were on, uh, on retreat. And it was her birthday yesterday. And she, she let me go on retreat. Came back last night. Had a birthday dinner today. Uh, I, you know, so I can't have any commitments Sunday because uh, we're celebrating my daughter's birthday today. So got to do those things, right? All right, let's finish this up. The last little part here. And, and without controversy, without, there's a lot of things that, that we focus on that are controversial, you know, all kinds of nonsense we focus on in the church is controversial. And they had that problem too. You get, tend to get focused on the controversy. And Paul says, look, Timothy, without controversy, everybody agrees that great uh, is the mystery of godliness. 
The mystery of godliness, how God brought godliness into the world. That God himself was manifested in the flesh. God wanted to show himself to you. He wanted you to know exactly what he was like. It's one thing when you look at the building plans. It's another thing when you walk into the foyer and see the sanctuary. It's different. It looks different. So God says, man, you're misunderstanding. You're you're, you're misreading who I am and what I want. So I'm going to come, make myself known to you as a human being, as a human form, so that you can see me touch lepers. So that you can see how I deal with a woman caught in adultery. So that you can see how I deal with religious hypocrisy. I want you to see the love that I have for people. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. I want you to see the love I have for the world as I hang on a cross with blood coming out of my hand and out of my head. God was made manifest in the flesh, not so that we could keep sinning, but so that we could be free to love. So that you and I can be free from selfishness because you can't love other people till you're free from your own selfishness. Amen. True or not true? And that's why Christ died on the cross. He set the example and we're going to live it out today. We're going to remember it today as we share communion. The blood of Christ shed for me. Amen. The epitome of the pillar and the ground of the truth. He was justified in the Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down on him at his baptism and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the Gentiles, mean among the whole world, not, not just Jews. He was believed on in the world. Some of these places we looked at, Palmyra, Russia, Canada. He was, people of all nations have believed in Jesus Christ. Every kind of walk of life. And he was received up in glory. He was accepted back into heaven. Uh, And he left us with the Holy Spirit so that we could live out the relationships that demonstrate the truth to the world we live in. Because our world is very, very confused. And when the gospel comes in, it turns the world upside down. Actually sets it right side up again. Right now, the world is upside down. Relationships are upside down. People don't know what in the world it's supposed to look like. We're all confused. And God's given us the opportunity to live out the truth and say, look at us. Look what the truth looks like. Look how beautiful holiness is. True? Amen? Amen. So Phil's going to come back up. I guess, Phil, are you coming back up? And we're just going to prepare our hearts for communion. Um, So while Phil plays um, and and leads us in a time of worship, here's what I want to do. there's some single folks, there's some solitary folks in here. And as the communion comes around toward the end of the service, uh, God is inviting you. You know, that's where, where, where communion happens around a table. And part of being a family is eating together. And so God is calling us today, he's inviting us to eat together, and he's inviting you to join us for, for lunch. Join us for dinner here as we take this representative meal. And, and if you want to be part of the family of God, then partake, then enjoy. Those of you that are, uh, that, those of you in families, the children that are in, the youth that are in here, um, while, while the praise team leads us, uh, the elders uh, that are in here, uh, come on down to the front. Anybody else who, who is just 
you know, that just loves to pray, then we're just going to be down here in the front. And I believe that the Lord wants to do a work in families today. I think that's why we're reading this. And, and I think it's the beginning of all this is confession, saying, you know what, as a family, we need help. We're, we're struggling to follow the truth. Where's the breakdown? You know, because God has provided for your family to be in peace with each other. Disruptions come, but they're solved. So, you know, I'm inviting you to come down and say, you know, as a father, I'm falling short. Would you pray for me that I could be a more godly father? What, what bad can come of that? What, what bad thing could happen from a man praying to be a more godly father? Oh, no, he's not praying that easy. Oh, here we go. No, it's like, oh, I mean, there's a bunch of women praying for us guys when we were away. Like, the women sending us, go, go, you know, go, learn something about God, please. You know, oh, I pray that God works in his life, you know. Boy, does he need it. Ladies, 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 if, if you're struggling, how to submit to that guy, you know. How do I submit to the, the Lord by submitting to this guy, you know. You've been undermining him and his leadership in the home. And the kids see that. And then they get confused about how marriage works. And come down. Just say, Lord, help me to understand. Help me to learn what it means to yield as a wife. And when everything works together, when husbands are, are laying down their lives for their wives, and wives are yielding to their husbands, and kids are obeying their parents and, being, and receiving them, man, that's it. That's it. It's beautiful. Kids struggling with obedience, struggling with you know, yielding to mom and dad. You've been complaining behind their back. You've been telling other people how awful your parents are because they won't let you have uh, you know, an iPod or something, an iPad or I don't know, whatever, a car. You're only 12. You're too young for a car. <laughs> and look, church, let's pray. That's what I'm trying to say. Let's pray. Are you ready to pray and, and seek the Lord? So... Uh,